0: Hello and welcome to the Baseball Wisconsin Podcast. I am your host, Tim Gotsler. Today, we're in the third inning of game three, and we sit down with head baseball coach at Germantown High School, Jim Wilkinson. Now, before we get into the episode, a couple things about Wilk. So in 2020, uh, Wilk was inducted into the WBCA Hall of Fame. He's made his stop, and you're going to hear about the journey in today's episode. Um, At Marquette High School, his alma mater then at Kettle Moraine High School, and then most recently now at Germantown High School. Um, in today's episode, Wilk goes through his journey as a player, um, and as a coach, and an educator, and even as a time as an administrator. But um, what I really dig into here in this episode is just the style in which his teams play. And throughout the area, uh, the Milwaukee area. If you've played at any of his teams, there's a very unique style. Preparing for that is, is 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 different, and just kind of talking to him and how open he was about getting buy-in and how they train, the way they play the game. Because if you look at Wilkes' records, it's it's incredible. Uh, the win-loss records, the postseason record, the state championships, the deep runs in the playoffs. Uh, it's it's just extremely impressive. Um, one thing that really stands out to me as well is just his energy and love for the game and love for kids. And it's really infectious and I've been just so impressed and I'm so happy he took time to sit down with us today. So before we get started, just a reminder to subscribe and share and uh, so other coaches can get um, you know the earbuds in and, and hear these uh, fantastic interviews with these um, phenomenal coaches. So without further ado, head baseball coach, and 2020 WBCA Hall of Famer, Jim Wilkinson. Hey, Coach. How are you doing today? Good. Pleasure to be here. Absolutely. Thanks for coming on. Well, let's kind of get started where just your journey in baseball. So where did it all begin for you?
1: You know, um, I've always loved baseball, even as a little kid. My grandfather uh, was an Italian immigrant. He came from Italy when he was a little kid. And the family lore is that... Uh, he was a fantastic baseball player in Milwaukee and uh, he he was so good that the the Cardinals wanted to sign him Um, but his mother who was from Italy didn't know baseball from anything uh, just did not give permission to sign the contract and so um, the family lore has it that she never would give him permission for just playing a game so He had to go on to other things, but so, uh, so in my family, I, uh, he kind of took me under his wing. I was the oldest grandchild. Uh, he gave me a sporting news, uh, subscription and that was the baseball Bible at the time and took a great interest in my baseball career. And, um, and so, um, while I loved playing baseball, I also always felt like I was playing for him too. So, um, So I grew up just loving the game and uh, my grandfather kind of passed that love down to me.
0: Where did you grow up? where did you go to high school?
1: Uh, I went to Marquette High. uh, So grew up on the east side of Milwaukee. And uh, uh, yeah, I went to Lawrence University after that and uh, played four years there. Um, You know, I uh, was on the five-year plan for college. So so after my playing career was done, I uh, coached uh, one year there. So uh, that's kind of how I started my coaching career.
0: Another baseball coach who took a little bit longer in college. Now there's I like a lot <laughs> there, right? Well, well I move I gotta, on.
1: I love this. <laughs>
0: I got to ask you about your playing days. Like, what kind of player were you? Give us the scouting report on you as a player.
1: <laughs> a little lefty. Uh, usually bad at leadoff or second. Uh, good speed, absolutely zero power, so bring those outfielders in, uh, but he is going to make some contact when he gets on base, uh, heads up, he might be running, um, uh, and I, I kind of realized as I was uh, thinking about that question, um, I was thinking, huh, I kind of coached the way I was a player, and I wonder if uh, all coaches do that, <laughs> so...
0: Oh, that's great. Well, okay. Um, so your plan career ends, you help out at Lawrence for a year. That's where it starts. So take us through that coaching journey. Yeah. Uh,
1: by the way, my plan career ended, uh, on Trennery field, uh, with the, uh, Menominee falls Lakers of the land of lakes. Uh, my arm went and that was it. So, <laughs> um, so I turned to coaching, but I, uh, I loved it. Um, so I, after Lawrence, I did decide I wanted to become a teacher. Um, My parents were both educators. My dad was an MPS lifer. My mom was a Catholic grade school teacher. And at that point, I was a little hesitant about teaching because I saw from them how hard it was. But uh, I did want to coach. And so uh, the best way to coach is to to also teach. Um, So my first job was actually at university school in Milwaukee under Howie Basie. I was his assistant. Um, I was there for one year and how uh, was stepping down after that year, he was going to end his career. Um, and so he offered me uh, the head coaching job at university school, uh, one day in May, at university school. Um, and I took it. Um, and then the next day, I got offered the uh, the teaching uh, job at Marquette High School, which was my old school, and I could not uh, pass that up. And so uh, I was a university school coach for one day. And then I moved on to uh, become uh, the JV coach and a teacher at Market High.
0: (laughs) So on staff at Marquette, and then when do you take over as a head guy?
1: So um, we had plenty of uh, coaching, uh, good coaches at Market High. Uh, When I was uh, first there, Bob Brzezinski was the head coach. He had been my coach in high school, um and so he was there for a very long time. Um and then Rick Brightish took over uh from Bob Brzezinski and ran a tremendous program, uh, number of state championships. Uh it was WISA at that time. Um, but he was uh, just a a tremendous, I think the best fundamental coach I've ever seen. So I, I learned a ton from him. Um and I figured at that point I would actually never be a head coach. Um, I love teaching there. Um, I love coaching JV. So that wasn't the biggest deal to me. Um, uh, but uh, Rick did step down uh, one year after uh, they went to summer baseball. He just did not like that summer, summer baseball culture. Uh, and so, so I took over uh, in the uh, summer 99 um, and coached 11 years uh, at Market High. Uh, so total of 31 years teaching and coaching at, at Marquette.
0: Well, so from Marquette, um, where do you go next?
1: So um, I had a chance. Uh, I'm, I'm a Spanish teacher and working with uh, Latino kids. Um, I had a chance to become a principal uh, at, uh, called Nativity Jesuit Middle School. Um, In 2010, I had been head coach at Marquette High for uh, 11 years, and um, I had to make a decision. I had to decide, am I going to give up this dream job? I mean, who steps away from teaching and coaching at at Marquette High? Um, But I I was kind of facing the last 10 years or so of my my, uh, academic career and thinking, how do I want to spend it? Uh, So I I made the tough choice to leave Market High and become principal on the south side of Milwaukee. And I absolutely loved it. Uh, I was there for four years. Um, The school changed a little bit. The uh, leadership changed and was going to take the school a little bit different direction. Uh, So I decided I did have to uh, resign from the principalship at Nativity. Um, But that did allow me uh, to continue teaching. And so I got a teaching job. At DSHa, and um, as a result of that, I was now able to get back to coaching. Uh, so I applied for Kettle Moraine's job, and and received that, mm-hmm. um, and and uh, was there for four years. When um, in two thousand eighteen, WAA decided to go back to spring uh, from all, for all the summer schools, and the commute from from DSHa to Kettle Moraine just wasn't going to work for 430 games um and so reluctantly i i unfortunately had to resign from that job um then 2 years later uh, i retired from teaching and uh then decided to um i still had that itch to coach and so applied uh, to germantown and got that job um just in time for the season to be canceled so <laughs> so uh was fortunate to have an actual season last year <laughs>
0: That's quite the journey. And um, I know I, I want to dig into more of those jobs, but, but before I do that, um, so those four years that you were principal on the South side, yep. Um, yep. Were, you, were you away from baseball altogether coaching? And what was your, inf- how I was,
1: um, you know, it was two. Uh, this particular program uh, was actually also a year round program. So I had summer responsibilities also. Um, so when I left Market High, I knew that I was leaving behind coaching for that phase of my life. Um, and so that was a, a tough decision and, uh, uh, was not easy for me.
0: Well, and, and what I'm gathering too, is that you, you know, the different jobs along the way were different phases of your life, you know, your personal yep. life, and yeah. you, your, your coaching philosophy and everything has changed. So let's go back to Marquette high at coach. Um, kind of what lessons did you take away from, from that, from that experience?
1: Yep. So market high uh, was this athletic juggernaut, uh, you know, especially even more perhaps in the eighties and nineties um, when I was kind of coming up uh, as a young teacher. And so we've got the this group of of head coaches: Paul Nowak, Dick Basham, uh, Rick Brightish uh, is the is the head baseball coach. Jim Carney, uh, Mike Donovan. They're all these. Uh, they were really the best coaches in the state. Um, and they were all at market high, and, and they were also all academic chairs. Um, they were they were not just coaches. They were these these great uh, teachers and interested in in making these young men's lives better, and that really appealed to me. Um, so it was very easy for me to um, to have this idea that coaching is going to be a seamless part of my teaching day. That um, I'm just going to be teaching on the field after my teaching day is done, um, because that was the culture at Market High, uh, you, um, you kind of uh, teach that work ethic that, that teamwork that unselfishness uh, it was kind of built into the culture. Um, and so, so that was how I kind of sold my oats as a as a young coach, I think.
0: Well, and it, it just kind of gets back to that, you know, teacher coach mentality. You know, mm-hmm. we, we preach to our students: you know, you're a student athlete, student first. You know, yeah. you're teacher coach, you're teacher first, and also just like culture excellence. It sounds like Mark and I had that at that time, yeah. and in many ways, still does. So, you take this sabbatical from coaching, and four years away, principalship, and now you're going to get back into coaching, new district, new community. What some? What are some lessons learned from Ketamaran? Moran? Well, um,
1: I'm not going to lie. I, you know, I did not know if I uh, and my coaching philosophy and style um, would translate outside of Market High. I had no, no idea, and so I was, I was a little uh, apprehensive and nervous. Um, is this going to work out at another place? Um, I had known uh, Armando and Hernandez uh, and. Um, and Brian Adamchik, well at Kettle Moraine, and and Brian was stepping away, and so um, I decided that Kettle Moraine, having that good baseball tradition, uh, might be a good place to try this out, Uh, so interviewed out there with uh, Mike Fink, their athletic director, uh, and it seemed like a a good fit, Uh, so uh, I was offered the job there and uh, excited to be able to uh, to see if, uh, I could do this at another school.
0: Oh, I mean, okay. So, you know, times have changed a little bit, right? So you coached in a yep. school, you know, you're into a public school, you know, you're, 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 you're showing some vulnerability by kind of questioning if your style still works. So and now I see it at Germantown, you, do, you know, you go to Germantown a couple of years later, and now after a year, you guys are playing in a sectional. You're playing great baseball at the end of the year. Like, how do you do it? How do you get into these programs and get these 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 kids to buy into it and instead spend as much time here as possible? <laughs>
1: um, I'm not going to lie. They don't all buy into it uh, all the time. Um, you know, um, many of my teams uh, along the way, um, you know, it's, it's counterculture a little bit uh, in these days in the sense that, um, we're, we're teaching kind of an unselfish, uh, style of baseball. They don't call it sacrifices for nothing in baseball. Um, and, and so, um, you're kind of fighting these days against this culture of, um, I'm gonna, I'm gonna get myself seen out there. I'm gonna, gonna, uh, promote myself a little bit. Um, and I, I think that is an appropriate um, purpose for uh, off-season baseball programs for those baseball academies. I think uh, I am heartily supportive of of all these teams that are trying to promote Wisconsin high school baseball players and have done a fantastic job of it. Um, I guess I'm a believer, though, in this high school system of baseball that that it is, in fact, part of the education. It's part of, uh, part of, kind of building a team and your personal development, uh, trying to become uh, something, part of something greater. And so, um, this idea that um, that they're going to be doing this for the greater good, not just for your own development, but um, you're playing for your school and for your teammates, um, and to sell that um, is interesting. And I I I start start off uh, by telling them. Feel free to hit home runs anytime you want. <laughs> you you have my permission to hit home runs and doubles, and and uh, we're going to give you all sorts of of freedom to to hit away often. Um, that's not really what. To call what we do small ball is a little bit of a, a misnomer because I like to think of it as um, bat control and strike zone control. Um, the idea is to be a complete baseball player and to be able to, uh, when you're up at bat, uh, respond to whatever that situation needs for the team. Uh, they might need a bunt at this point. Um, and so if you haven't been bunting or see yourself as oh i'm not a bunter that's that's i i hit the long ball um that's not going to be helpful for the team and in fact um you know i had i've had many teams that um if i give a a sign uh hit and run or a bunt uh you know i can see their the wheels grinding and and they're thinking doesn't this coach know who i am (laughs) i don't (laughs) Bunt? Me? Are you kidding me? <laughs> and so um, so we we do constantly uh, talk about that and work through it. And um, we practice it all the time. And uh, one thing that I noticed uh, fairly early in my career is that uh, in my career at Marquette was some of my best teams and some of the best area teams um Their offenses, their high-powered offenses, did not translate to the postseason. Um, I found that uh, hitters tend to grip the bat a little tighter. They get a little nervous. Pitchers uh, are better in the postseason. They tend to dominate. The defenses are better. So now I'm thinking, well, what do we need to do to advance as far as we can to sectionals and state? What kind of game do we need to play? Um, to face that number one pitcher uh, in a sectional final. And so I kind of worked backward from there. Well, we need to be able to create runs early in the game, put pressure on the defense, um, work the the count with this pitcher, keep the pressure on him at all times. Um, And I can't tell you how many times in pressure situations, uh, teams do not, in fact, field simple bunts, or throw runners out when you put pressure on the bases. Um, And so so working backward from that sectional final or state state championship game, uh, you have to practice that during the season uh, in order to be able to execute it and feel comfortable with it um, at the end of the season when it really counts. Um, The other thing I saw all the time was uh, teams would in fact try and bunt or or do this this style of baseball in the postseason when they really haven't been doing it, and truthfully they couldn't do it. They couldn't get the bunt down or or get contact on a hit and run when they needed to. So so bottom line is, we worked on it because that's was was going to make us successful at the end of the year. And thankfully, my teams eventually saw that. Um, Oh, this works. Okay. (laughs) Um, You know, we saw some success. We won some championships and, and that went a long way toward um, convincing these teams that uh, um, this was a a good style of baseball. Now I got to say at Germantown, they picked it up the fastest. I am, I was so impressed that it it took me a year or two at each of the other places. Um, But germantown um between their work ethic they're they're kind of unselfish uh they do in fact uh buy into that that school success that team first philosophy and and so they do uh and i got to give them a lot of credit for this they they bought into it pretty early now um it can it kind of became a running joke occasionally that uh, oh brother Coach is making us bunt again, and he's going to make us bunt. Um, uh, and in fact, one of our big, big hitters, um, Andrew Hines, uh, he, he has as many as much power as any player I've ever coached, uh, and did in fact hit a number of homers for us. Uh, posed for his senior poster, his big senior poster, squared around a bunt so uh he had some fun with it we we banter you know back and forth um but it works out uh and uh one example of this i gotta i gotta tell you so it's it's uh two-thirds into the season um uh it's a big game with tosa east it's second round um and so so we need a we need a win against tosa east it's tommy harper versus johnny uh niski so couple of aces Uh, this game is not going to be high scoring Um, so we get our leadoff hitter uh, on to second base and we have one of the best hitters in the area up there uh, Ethan Sawyer who also has as much power as anybody uh, any player I've ever coached Um, but I asked him to bunt um, and so we bunt him over to third not a he he bought into it completely because he he also knows that this is this is uh, going to be a game, a low-scoring game, and and this is important to do. So, again, I got to give him credit. Bunted him over, sacrifice fly. That was the only run of the game. We won one to nothing, because Ethan Sawyer was able to think think about the team and and the 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 game bigger than himself. Um, it was just a tremendous moment.
0: Thanks for going into that because one of the most impressive things just as I look at your career is your postseason record state championships but even the years where you didn't win a state tournament or state championship which we know is very difficult to do very difficult to do maybe as hard of any sport in the state of Wisconsin is to win a state baseball championship but it seems like your teams are always playing their best baseball at the end of the year um, so I'm going to touch on this already, but how do you get your guys playing that high level of baseball at that time on both sides of the ball?
1: Yeah, um, part of that is is that offensive philosophy. Um, so that's that's kind of the first uh, rung of the ladder, kind of um, to to be able to to play that way when the pressure's on, and so to do that all season long. So that's that's the first thing I would say. Um, the second thing is. We try and emphasize improvement at all times. Um, after every single game, we, we take the runs off the scoreboard. Um, we don't even talk about the score. Um, we say, okay, how did we play? What did we do well? Uh, what, did we, what do we need some work on? What, what uh, maybe cost us here? Um, and so we always talk about um, improvement. How can we get better Um, and then we use that next day practice to work on that very thing. So, um, so that emphasis on improvement all the time, rather than wins and losses, um, hopefully gives us this idea that we're the, the record doesn't matter. It's, we're going to be as good as we can, as we possibly can be at the end of the season. Um, when it's going to count the most, when we will be tested the most, um, We do our best, you know, I think, and I think you've probably seen this too, that no, no team ever has been successful without senior leadership. Um, And so we start that senior leadership, um, start kind of training them in leadership uh, in the off season. um, And it's built in a little bit with the open gym system where, you know, seniors are going to be leading all those activities and all those drills and all that stuff. Um, so it starts there, um, and we try and give them as much input and control over what we do in practice as possible, um, so that by the end of the season uh, they feel like it's their team. Because when it comes right down to it, by the end of the year, you and I know that um, it's kind of it's kind of not our deal anymore; it's theirs, and so um, again, those seniors are the ones that are going to take them the rest of the way. Um, once, once we, once we kind of, uh, get them out of that huddle at, at, at the sectional game or whatever, it's out of our hands, you know? (laughs) And so, so it's going to be the players that take them the rest of the way. So, so the more we can, um, turn the team over to them, the better, I think. Um, I also, we try and keep them very loose and especially during the so-called big games, um, that it's, it's not, this isn't for world peace. This isn't for, uh, you know, fighting world hunger. This is a baseball game. This is that game you've been playing since you're a kid. Um, so we always tell them the first one that realizes that it's a baseball game wins, you know, it's, uh, just relax, you know, um, have fun because bottom line is, is this should be fun.
0: Wow. A lot there. Okay. Two things. Number yep. Yeah. Um, the senior leadership. So you talked about, you know, seniors leading open gyms because obviously we, you know, we can't instruct kids in the off season. Yep. When, when you get in season, how do you strategically, you know, empower those seniors? Um, you know, Beyond just you know, what, what should we do at practice Is there other things that you? Yep. Have to in? yep.
1: Um, you know, it actually starts right at tryouts, where um, for the few, few first few days we practice together. I want to, everybody to to learn the system and the drills and and kind of how we do things. And uh, I make sure that the seniors do not play coach uh, play catch with anybody uh, but a freshman um, they're going to, they're going to be those good examples right from the start. Um, and they're going to work with a freshman as a partner in all the drills. Um, and so, so it kind of starts there and then it goes to, um, making sure that as we do those drills and as we separate into teams, um, the seniors are, are taking them through those drills that, that, um, we'll certainly teach them how to do it, but we kind of keep an eye on on the seniors leading those drills. And the seniors, um, we trust that they've they've been paying attention close enough uh, in previous seasons that they know what we're looking for. And so, really, I watch uh, and encourage the seniors to to teach and to kind of point out. Hey, let's get going here. Um, you know, you, you didn't quite, quite give your best on that. Let's get going here. So I, I, I watched for that, and I really talked to them about this is this is one of your jobs with this team.
0: Second thing that stood out to me was the the looseness in a quote big game, right? Because. Again, grip the bat a little bit tighter. You spike a yeah. ball. I mean, all the things that that, that happen in, in playoff baseball that we, we've been on both sides of it, right? Yep. Are you a firm believer that the players take on your personality? Because I think that's the thing I've struggled with a lot as coaches. In that big game, you know, I'm as tense as anybody at times. <laughs> yep. Right. I, I want to advance. I want that pitch. I mean, so over the years, how have you trained yourself to be whatever is loose or neutral, however you want to characterize yep. it?
1: That is a great question. Uh, and two things about that. One is I noticed uh, um, early on in my career at Marquette that the games that I was the tightest were also the games that my team was tightest. And my assistant coach, Sean Raffaele, um pointed that out to, a couple of times to me that uh, you realize you... <laughs> they noticed that you were tight and they took on exactly the way you were acting. Um, so, uh, he kind of keeps me loose. And he, he always says, um, I don't care if you're tight, but just don't let them see that you're tight. Okay. Uh, stay loose. Um, and, and he was absolutely right about that, that, um, they're, they do in fact, you know, uh, a lot of us think that all oh, those kids aren't paying attention to us, and I do not. After teaching these all these years, I don't buy that for a second. Especially the ones don't look that don't look like they're watching or listening are the ones that are listening the most. And so, um, so this idea that that they take on our personality is completely accurate, um, and that's why I work very hard to uh, to just. Make sure I look like I'm having fun, but truthfully, I am having fun because the juice of uh, of those uh, so-called big games is what keeps me going. I just love that that test, that so-called pressure. Uh, I love seeing what we're made of and and playing baseball at that highest level possible. I just I just love it, and so. Uh, hopefully,
0: I pass that along to them. That's you know. So what I'm gathering is you're, you're systematically putting things in tangible things like seniors leading the drills with the freshmen, and here's our drills, and, and then the intangibles of body language and how you react to things, and yep, pre- pre-game, during game, post-game. Um, what I'm interested in is, throughout the years. Is there something you've changed on? Is there something that you've done maybe a 180 on that a skill you used to teach or a certain leadership style you used to have that you've now seen as there's, there's a different way to do it. That might be better.
1: Yes. Um, I, you know, and this applies to both my teaching and my coaching is throughout the years. um, I used to be quick to kind of be angry about a kid that wasn't performing or you know, uh, or didn't seem like they were into it uh, or just wasn't performing at his best. Um, and throughout the years, I kind of learned to step back a little bit before, before I got angry with those kids or expressed my anger, at least with those kids, uh, you know, maybe uh, whether they were late to practice or or not into it, uh, or not performing, um, to take them aside, and rather than go right at, at the hardness and be mad at them, express the anger, to ask the question first. Okay, what's going on? You don't look like yourself today. Is, is there something something I need to know, or something that you're you know, dealing with that is keeping you from Um, maybe your best performance today. Um, And I found that they respond well to that, that, um, that often kids, there is in fact something else going on that, that they bring their lives to the field. And sometimes they can't help, but maybe not give us a hundred percent of their, their attention and their focus uh, because you know, life does happen for them. These are kids and all sorts of stuff is going on with them. And, you know, baseball isn't their whole life. (laughs) And so, um, so maybe I hope I've realized, um, okay, let's figure out what else is going on with them before I get on them too hard.
0: (laughs) What amazes me is how you answered that question. I brought up, you know, Baseball stuff, things on the field and off the field, and the first thing you go to is your your relationships. So it says a lot about your care um, for these boys, no matter what stop it has been at. Is you know you seem like you just got your heart all into this thing. So you've been doing it for a long time, and this past year um, you were inducted into the uh, WBCA Hall of Fame. So I can see the smile on your face right now. But what does that mean to you?
1: Uh, I still. Uh kind of get uh get broken up even just thinking about it because it's uh it's the biggest thing that can happen in our in our coaching profession I think and um to have been around the association so long uh with these these legends uh to become part of that is just uh, truthfully the biggest honor I can think of uh in in my coaching career and Uh, So I, I'm kind of speechless, and I, uh, I'm incredibly touched. I, I, the only thing I can think of, of doing is, is just saying thanks uh, for the opportunity uh, to be among this group uh, of incredible uh, people and coaches, and to have the opportunity to, to, to teach and coach for, for those many years is, the best thing I can think of, uh, as I look back on on a career, I just uh, I just I can't even begin to express how grateful I am for the opportunity to do that.
0: We talk about those legends. I mean, I know you won't may not agree with this, but you are one of them, and you have before you're in the Hall of Fame. But most Hall of Fame coaches are retired. They have, they get that not at the end of their career you're still in it. So you might've mentioned this before a bit with use the term juice, which I love, but <laughs> what lights your fire to keep coming back? And, you know, I think you'd agree that the job has become more and more year round than it was before. So what, keep, what keeps you coming back every year?
1: Um, baseball to me is the most beautiful, complicated, impossible game that I've ever been associated with. And so um, there every time you step on the field something new happens that you've never seen before uh, some situation that you've just never thought of is right there and and you have to deal with it and it's and you have to always be reacting to uh and and changing and be creative and think about how am I going to handle this new situation and so this uh so first of all you can't possibly figure out the game of baseball. Uh, anybody who, who thinks they've got the game figured out will immediately be punished by the baseball gods. Um, and so, so there's always something new. So, so that part is always taken care of. I can always learn something new uh, no matter how, how many years I'm in the game. Uh, but the other thing is I do miss those relationship with the kids uh, when I'm not in season. Um, or when I'm not teaching them. And so, so that's, uh, so coaching is my way of keeping that relationship going uh, with, with those kids, uh, even when I uh, am, am no longer teaching. Uh, I find I miss that, that camaraderie with the kids, and I really missed uh, that camaraderie with the coaches, just that, that going back and forth. Um, I actually used to get together with your predecessor uh, Pat Hanson, uh, often in the winters at, at the local spots in, uh, in the falls. And even though we were these tremendous rivals, uh, in the conference, um, each of us were these students of the game such that, um, we just bounce stuff off each other. Well, what do you do when this happens? What, uh, you know, uh, I liked, I, I like this from you. How do you do that? His teams, you know, and falls teams in general, they always hit line drives up the middle and to right center. And I've never figured out how you guys are able to do to teach that. But uh, it's, it's, uh, uh, it's things like that, that, um, that keep me um, juiced up for the game uh, that, and the, you know, I, I am maybe a little bit quieter on the field, but uh, it perhaps hides uh, an extremely competitive personality. <laughs> uh, I, love, I love that spirit of competition and that test, uh, whether it's in practice getting better, how are we going to get better this day? Or uh, in a game, how is the game going to test us on that particular day? So I still love that. And uh, fortunately, my body is, is still allowing me to do it. So, um, So that's what kind of keeps me going.
0: I love it because throughout your career, I mean, you're, you're now you're in this this mentor role, this Hall of Fame role, and you're still in it, and you're still giving it at your all. But you know, throughout the through, along the way, there had to be some influences on you. You know, kind of the old sports talk radio question, the, the Mount Rushmore of, of influence. <laughs> so when I bring that up, who comes to mind? Um,
1: the first person that comes to mind is my old JV. Uh, Spanish teacher and JV baseball coach uh, Frank Cox at market high uh, he turned me on to to both Spanish and and baseball he made both learning fun and baseball a blast um, and um, and so so that's what turned me on to this joy of of baseball or at least continued uh, me in this this joy of the game of baseball um, and he also inspired me to continue to to study Spanish and to uh, to have this uh, idea that you know uh, teaching Spanish and coaching baseball it would be a very nice gig. And so so he kind of um, was the first leg leg there. Uh, the two coaches at Market High, uh, Bob Brzezinski and Rick Brightish, um, just they were kind of. Uh, legends of the game in their own right. And so to be able to learn under them, uh, was just, uh, amazing. Um, I, I can't tell you how, how fundamental, uh, how many fundamentals I learned from, from Rick Bradish. He was kind of the master of, um, the seven minute indoor, uh, drill practice at, uh, at market high in March when the snow was about six inches deep and it's, you know, 10 below zero. Um, but every drill was seven minutes long. You move along, you keep it working. And, uh, you got a ton of work in this, this little small gym at, at market high and it, it really taught me how to, um, coach fundamentals, um, for the game and that you don't need, this big baseball field, um, and that you don't need that full, full field batting practice in order to learn hitting and, and things like that. Um, the, the camaraderie with the coaches, the greater Metro, uh, my first time around, first of all, um, with Jerry Taubel and, and the, the coaches, Jerry Hughes and, and Scott Holler, uh, and, and all those coaches, uh, at the in the greater Metro uh, I was the kid learning from them and so uh, so that was great uh, I just uh, I learned how to how to be a coach from them also uh, and then this round I'm really grateful to be back in the greater Metro with this really great set of, of new coaching legends to be in the future it really is a it's a it's the new the new uh, and next wave of, of these coaches, the, the Greater Metro, uh, and in in a uh, an extent the classic classic eight also uh, just that that great baseball being played in in Southeast Wisconsin uh, to be able to coach with and uh, and against those coaches, you have to be on the top of your game and ha- game and have to keep developing or you're going to get killed out there. So. <laughs>
0: you mentioned coaches, but you've coached so many great players, right? And as I bring up the greatest players you've coached, I'm not going to ask you to list them, but what I'm interested in is like, you know, throughout the years, what traits stand out? The greatest players that you've had in your programs, what traits do they possess? Um, Unselfishness,
1: no question. Um, Hard work, uh, a work ethic, um, and acknowledgement that these fundamentals that we're working on actually are going to pay off. Uh, that this drill might not be fun, uh, but I can see the larger purpose for it. Um, that quest for excellence, I think if there's one thing, that might be it. That um, it's no accident that many of these best players were actually also great students. Um, they're, they, um, they're carried that quest of excellence, not just on the field, but uh, it was the way they lived their lives. And so, um, if there's one trait, I would have to say that, that quest for excellence in their lives. Uh, and I've seen, seen that, uh, in what they're doing in their post baseball careers. Uh, they, they've gone on to do great things and, and it's because they took that, um, that idea of I'm gonna get better today, whether it's in the classroom or or in the field um, with them their whole lives.
0: That was kind of a curveball. That wasn't on the list for you. So you you did did that one off the cuff. Uh, (laughs) Last thing I got for you, you've given us so much already, like empty your pockets. What other advice do you have for coaches?
1: You know, um, I realized a few years ago, I was at the WBCA convention And, uh, Bob, Bob Brzezinski, uh, convinced me very early on, um, just starting out at market high that this WBCA convention was a, a good thing to go to that, uh, that you were going to learn something, uh, new every year. Um, and if there were one piece of advice I could give to young coaches, it's be a student of the game. I have never, uh, never been associated with a a great coach who didn't have that idea that um, I am going to learn something about baseball every off season, every in season. Um, And really, um, that that convention is an incredible way. I can't tell you how many things I have picked up from that convention. In fact, um, it occurred to me one year that almost everything I do, every every drill, every play, every, uh, every way I look at, you know, infield or outfield or uh, cutoffs, relays, everything that I do, I picked up at that clinic uh, from these great coaches that they bring in. Um, It's no, it's not hyperbole or exaggeration to say that this this group of uh, people who put this clinic together, do one of the best jobs in the country that is not exaggeration because I I have used it and I hope I'm a living example of that um and so this idea that as a coach you're a student of the game and so um baseball there's always something to learn um and it's a great game and uh if you love it it will it will love you back
0: and there it is. Huge thank you goes out to Coach Wilkinson for taking time to sit down with us today. And, you know, that last quote, right? If, if you love the game, the game will love you back. And that, like the, the, the baseball gods know, the game knows. And that's, that's what Wilk's all about. Wilkes about the community. He's about, you know, people first, if that's obviously his players, uh, his students when he was an educator, um, even other coaches. I mean, as competitive as he is and other coaches are, there's always that collegial bond and that relationship and that brotherhood that is, is unique to baseball. And it's I think many coaches would, would argue that's maybe the best part of coaching at times is the relationships that are made both on the field and off the field. Um, and Wilkes is just such a fantastic um, example of that. Also, when he talks about being a student of the game, right? in 2021 we might talk about a growth mindset and continuous learning and these buzzwords in, in education and coaching. I mean, He's been doing that for decades, way before it was trendy. And you know what's scary to us, you know, in the Greater Metro Conference or across the state of Wisconsin, is now he's retired from uh, he's retired from teaching, so he's got more time to, to just work on on getting his program better. But uh, no, joking aside, um, just watching how he keeps up with the times. I mean, he's active on Twitter. He's got phenomenal relationships with his guys. Um, it, it, it's it's really impressive. So huge thank you goes out once again to Wilk for taking the time for all he does for our game and baseball across the state of Wisconsin. Uh, please remember to subscribe and share and um, we'll see you next time. Thank you.